All right, big win, Kings fans. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Tonight, we are talking about the stellar road trip, uh, Hiller's tenure, the Clark train is at full speed, PLD stock is rising in the return of Victor Arvidsson. Get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Let's go. I almost said killer tenure, but it has been a killer tenure so far for Jim Hiller, and we'll get into that. But before we start uh, going down the line, thank you guys for being in the chat. Uh, 601 right there. CJ, first one in here. People pay to watch me play Jack Hughes to Victor Arvidsson. I roll. Uh, Shank Master coming here. Let's go. Evening, y'all. What a great couple days. Go Kings, go. A sigh right here. What a great couple games here. Never down and out. Reminded me to come back Kings of past. Love Hiller's ability to uh, make game changes quickly we will be talking about that uh great trip road trip except buffalo bill's already forgotten buffalo bill buffalo is a distant memory so now i've come here with this up y'all uh sup to my co-host here joe russell how you guys doing doing good doing good yeah fun weekend of hockey i mean i, I kind of i don't know if you guys did but i tuned into both the stadium series games uh last night's game wasn't as i guess exciting in terms of finish but the game today kind of watching a little bit of the end of the Rangers uh Islanders game as the Kings game was going on and that was a crazy finish but I mean and when couple that with the two Kings games man fun fun weekend of hockey how you doing Joe good good yeah unfortunately I, I didn't catch either of the stadium games unfortunately um you know it was a busy day busy weekend at the house here locally then today trying to get to the uh Rochester game with uh with my older son we watched a little bit of brant clark's brother with utica and the devil's farm system so that was that was a good time but uh no i mean shoot that's a, a hell of a way to bounce back for the kings after the the shellacking in buffalo to bounce back the way they did against you know two good teams and a not a certainly not a, not a bad penguins team but it's it's um that that's a good way to end it that's for sure good way to end it randon how you doing good Good. Yeah. Birthday weekend. Uh, thank you guys for the, the stick taps on Twitter. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, was a little sick on the actual day, uh, but, you know, rebounded. Uh, been drinking Pedialyte nonstop to get the <laughs> electrolytes back in me. But it, overall, it's been good. A couple of good gifts. Um, and, you know, went to a steakhouse <clears throat> dinner last night, went to some barbecue today. They have uh, this barbecue spot by my house has uh, burnt end pancakes and they use they make out of the tallow. They make some like cream that goes on top of pancakes, and they have maple syrup. Uh, it's to die for. So interesting. Uh, some some hardcore uh, barbecue brunch going out here uh, in oh, Fort Worth. Yeah. So okay, so I like it. That's great. <laughs> okay, so let's get let's get into it. Uh, first off, you know, ping. We win against Penguins tonight. Yammer Yager getting his number retired. Well, well justified. Everybody wearing the mullets, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but great game. Juice gets back off the Schneid with two goals tonight. One just you know, throwing it on net. Good things happen when you throw it on net uh, and a little shorty there. So um, let's get into the game tonight, obviously, with, and it's a part of Hiller's tenure, so we'll kind of fade that in there. The game tonight, what did you guys think about the Kings? Obviously, fourth game, uh, fourth game in six nights, back-to-back. So all the reason the Kings could have lost this game, and they pull up the W. Yeah, out of all the games on the road trip, this one was the one where 
I don't know who I was talking to, but I, like I said, like, I mean, after the emotional kind of way they ended the game in Boston, uh, to go into Pittsburgh where, like you said, they're retiring Yarmer Yager's number, it's going to be an emotional night for them. You knew they were going to be amped up for it. And it, it kind of felt like a sleepy game for it too. But I was like, eh, if they ended up losing, they go two and two in the trip, that's fine. Cool. They end up pulling it out. I mean, I'm watching it and – it, it just felt like, man, the first period was so-so. Kings started off pretty well. Penalties kind of taken by Dubois. Say what you will about them. I thought the second one was probably a good call. First one was whatever. But second period, super sleepy. And then you're watching it, too, with Kent, with all the mix and matches that uh, Hiller's doing throughout the lines. Uh, man, you saw more on the top line. You saw Kaliev on the top line. Fiala back on with uh, Dinoa and Arvidsson. Everything going on. And especially like Adrian Kempe too, the last few games it just seemed like he had been, I don't know, gripping his stick too much, if that's what you want to use, uh, just struggling a bit. And there was one play that happened, I think it was the third period, where just trying to make a pass down low or try to throw it toward the net and he just had a shot blocked, pass or shot blocked. And it seems like that has been happening so much with him lately. And I'm like, man, it seems like Juice has been struggling. And sure enough, yeah, like you said, Randon just comes right on the ice and throws that clapper, bounces a couple times, beats beats Jari, and then his second goal is just sweet. Like, I mean, the play by Kopitar to set up that shorty for Kempe to scream down the wing like that, money mm-hmm. passed, Kempe beats Jari five-hole, like Jim Fox says, tweeners. So excellent way to end it, excellent way to end the road trip. Exciting. Yeah, I really like the Kings today. Like, I, I remember after, at the end of the first period – you know, I know they were down, but I thought this is they're playing. A, this is a really good road game on the second of a back to back long road trip, but they played well. They're in the game. And again, I thought the second was good, too. It honestly felt like something there's going to be a goal coming here. You know, obviously, as the game wears on, you're like, well, maybe it's is it just not their night or whatever. But I thought the Kings played a really, really good road game, especially under the circumstances of, like I said, the long trip, the second of a back to back. Um I thought this was an excellent performance from the Kings, to be honest with you. Uh, so really, really happy. To me, That that's a really nice way. And you look at the way they've – I mentioned the Buffalo game earlier, but their responses from each of the games following that have been outstanding. And I think, you know, <clears throat> I, 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 I go back to – I think a lot of people are going to talk about this these weekend games, um, mm-hmm. and I get it. To me, it's the Jersey game. Like you, you get beat up, you, 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 you fire the coach, you have the, a, a lengthy break, you have an emotional win against Edmonton, your rival back at home in Hiller's first game, you get that win, things maybe are trending upwards, you at least get a little bit of relief, you hit the road, and then you lose 7 nothing. I mean, there, that could go a lot of different ways. Um, but to show up and then win in New Jersey against a team who I know has been battling a lot themselves this year with injuries and whatnot. They're a little bit disappointing, but that's a really, really good roster and a really good hockey team to beat them after the ass whooping that they just got. That win right there is the one that, it, you know, I guess if I were to look back later in the season, that's the one where it's like they, that it could have gotten away from them right then and there. And it didn't, they kind of stopped the bleeding and then just kind of kept things going on. So I'm, I'm really, really happy with how they've kind of responded to some, tough situations right the loss to buffalo the comebacks against uh boston the comeback here against pittsburgh so there's they've dealt with a lot in this road trip and uh they've come out of it really well 
And they're gonna and they're gonna continue to deal with a lot. I just looked at the schedule. They're gonna have seven games in ten days, yeah. like this road trip and then the homestand. There's back to backs on. I mean, that's a lot of it's a lot of hockey. So you know they're gonna have some tribulations. And each game had a different. You know, we had the overtime monkey on our back that we haven't won a game in overtime in a long time or a shootout. And uh, you know, before we get into that, Nav coming in here with uh, drinks on me, Randy. Happy belated birthday! Thank you for the ten bucks, there, buddy. I will spend it wisely. Uh, <laughs> so I mean. You know, get getting in the Boston game, huge game for the young blood. Clark train in full effect. So let's get to that game. Obviously, big goal for the kid, first NHL goal. And and Russ, you were tweeting about us. I'll let you talk about it. you know first rookie this and this and that. What, what was the significance of this goal? And and just you were on the live stream. How did that? How did that go about? Oh man, that live stream was fun. Yeah, first of all, thanks to everybody that tuned in. That was that was a great time. Had a, a bunch of people in there. Uh, even some Oilers fans that were chirping me throughout, but it was, otherwise it was it was a great time, and the way they ended it was excellent. Yeah, I mean that game overall just it was it was resiliency, right? It was just the Kings just bouncing back, punches trading back and forth. Uh, big, big challenge by Hiller in the first period. Uh, I thought I thought Kings maybe caught a break there. To be honest, with you, I didn't see a lot there. Yeah, I understand. Like, yeah, what do you, what do you think of that, Joe? Like, I I see you're shaking your head. It's like. I understand maybe he clipped his, his skate and and probably caused Riddick to be off balance a little bit. And even just that slight like infraction, I guess, would probably cause him to miss it. I think, first of all, I had the slightest idea. I think he corrected himself after the fact. Jackson, the referee there the, the on ESPN's broadcast, said that he went in on his own. I mean, Mikey Anderson clearly pushed him into the crease. Like, that was <laughs> – I have, still have no idea what he was talking about. But, but – it is on kind of DeBrusque to make his, I guess, to make his way out of there. I think he had time to do so. And listen, it's goalie interference. I, I don't think anybody yeah. really has a clue. So I thought that it was worth the challenge if only be, like if it was simultaneous where the shot's coming, Anderson pushes him into Riddick, then to me, it's a goal. Anderson is the one that did it. But Anderson pushes him into the crease, not into Riddick. And it's really DeBrusque as he's kind of making his way out that kind of just ever so slightly does enough to Riddick. So honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if that went either way. Um, but I think it was a obviously hindsight being 2020, but I thought it was a good challenge just because of yeah. the time that elapsed between Anderson pushing him into the crease and the shot and eventual goal coming. If that makes sense. No, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a good challenge too because you also have like a really good penalty kill. You have the best penalty kill in the league. So if it is a two nothing <clears throat> deficit at that point, then you kind of rely on your good penalty kill. But even then, uh, I, I, it's just surprised because I mean, for the rest to make the call on the ice, that's a goal, and then overturn that. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. like you said, Joe, we were talking like slight contact here. We're not talking like he like yeah. shoved him in and. Riddick is falling over like he kind of fell but even then take it right yep. and that was kind of like it was just good to see the Kings just bounce back you saw like and everybody making a play we saw Matt Roy score we saw Leferriere yep. score Dubois yep. played really well Byfield had a point again so I mean just the the entire like the whole time and especially when he goes to overtime you're thinking like and that savvy goal by Kopitar and Dowdy it's just like man just Dowdy knows exactly – like, those are two minds that know exactly what each other's doing at that moment. Dowdy knows, I'm going to throw this on at, a like, a decent amount of speed so just so Kopitar can get a touch on it. And Kopitar knew exactly what Dowdy was doing, 
perfect way to tie it. And then our boy, Brant Clark, or Randon's boy, Brant Clark, he's been <laughs> running that steam engine all season long, finally hops on board with Dano making that nice little bounce pass. I mean, Randon, what were you thinking when you saw Brant Clark and, and, and that breakaway goal? <laughs> I, I mean, I was sitting there, so I'm sitting there on the couch, you know, kind of getting over the sickness, and I'm just kind of laying there and I'm like, oh man, overtime, you're not too happy about it, you know, like this is from <laughs> right, that feeling, well. right? And, just like, oh, here we go. And then you're like, oh, penalty, oh, I got a four three. And I was like, okay, we just ride this out and get to the shootout, you know, yeah. maybe we have a chance. And then I, it's <laughs> like, okay, cool, like it, it ended. And then the puck kind of floats, and I'm like, he's loose, he's loose. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. Like, I was just, like, cheering on a horse at, like, the Kentucky Derby. I was kind of, like, doing, doing the, come on, man. And then just can opener, just whipped him open. And I was, oh, I was in my apartment just like you were on the live stream, just fist pumping the air and stuff oh, like yeah. that. It was, oh, it was great, man. Like, he he deserved it. And the whole team, he's pumping down. The whole team's clearing off the ice. And perfect, whoever took that photo of the entire bench while he was going down, like, everybody's, yeah, oh, like, yeah. like, the mixed emotions. Like, somebody were stern. Some people were, like, wide open you guys turcott was like come on man like yeah. young guys rolling <laughs> each other on you know like it was oh man it, it was just perfect and that's why you draft the kid like that's that's mm-hmm. the brent clark that ever and not not afraid of the moment i mean it didn't look like i mean he was his face was glued like it, he was ready to go and 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 buries it like no no it was pure decisive movement no hesitation whatsoever that's make, yeah that, that was yeah. pretty that was pretty to make that move against Linus Olmark. I mean, I don't know if you're thinking of the goaltender at the time, but for him to make right. that kind of move, normally you see young players that probably in that moment would just try to beat him with a wrister or something too. This see, guy was taking move, move this is, move. This is the best part of these young kids. I think of it the other way around. Like, I want the young guy in the breakaway because I think they're much more, especially Clark, the confidence he's yeah. like, he's oh, much yeah. more willing to just kind of be free flowing. That was fantastic. I want to go back to something quickly that Russ said. You mentioned Dubois' name. You mentioned Laferriere scored. So thoughts here. You know, we talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois, what? Oh, I don't know. All season long right now. And we've talked about his wingers, right? And we've talked about getting him somebody else. Like, we, I think we we genuinely generally like Laferriere. I know I do. I think that's the, that, that duo has been really good together. It's just who is that other piece? Kempe was there for a minute. Seemed to work okay, but McClellan went away from it. And I know I'd wanted to see Trevor more. I would have been open to Byfield. And so Byfield is the one that that plays here with, with uh, Dubois and Laferriere. I, I love it. I think this is doing exactly what we were hoping it would do. And me personally was hoping it would do that more kind of north-south speed of Byfield is a good complement to the other two players, particularly Dubois. Dubois seems more engaged for whatever reason, but he is. And I think that line arguably is the team's best line right now. I think they are absolutely buzzing. You look at just their numbers from today per natural statric, that was the one line that played more than anybody. They played over nine minutes of five on five, 15 to six in shot attempts, and they had a 55, 56% expected goal share. Um, And through the season, when those three have been together, it's only been 28 minutes. They've got a 68.8 in possession, 70% expected goals. Again, I know it's only 28 minutes, but boy, I, I really think that 
that getting a guy with the motor of, of Byfield is, is really pulling a lot out of that line. And then you're starting to see a little bit more finish, right? Leferrier scores the other day. He's, you know, Dubois set up a goal. I think Gavrikov scored. It was Dubois that, that picked up the assist on that. So, like, his guys are finishing. That that was a big part of the problem with Dubois when it comes to his production is he had nobody finishing. Go look at the shooting percentages of him on the ice. It was a constant uh, uh, theme all season. Like, he was – he needed to be more engaged, and I don't think we disputed that. But there was also a faction of people that were just – blatantly ignoring all the good things that were he was doing and we're starting to see some of that come to fruition in terms of production with some pucks going in so just wanted to get your guys thoughts on on the line of byfield playing here with with dubois and laferrier i don't like that you cut clark's moment in the sun very short there I, Joe. <laughs> uh, so i don't like that at all uh not one bit um so I, I I like the I like the new production right before tonight's game he was a point per game player uh, in the small since Hiller has been there so yeah he's he's John but it's it's four or five games I'm, I'm not letting right. him off the hook yet sure and like yeah. he's playing better and that's good I do like also I'll tell you what I do like I do like the fact that sometimes he rotates Byfield up and puts Kempe down there sometimes it's Kempe up with Kopitar and Byfield down there like they're not afraid to to mix it up mid game based on what they need. They were talking about on the, on the on the broadcast, like, hey, he doesn't want the top three lines sitting because, like, Fiala and Arvidsson don't play any penalty kills. So if they have a couple mm-hmm. special teams, they want to get that line back out there, and he'll switch the wingers up just to get people out on the ice until things settle down, and then he'll rotate the lines the way they were intended, which I don't know if T-Mac was doing that and or not doing that, but it seems after the announcer said it, it seemed to be catching my eye more. And maybe that's the red car theory when you don't see any red cars until somebody says, hey, look for red cars, right? But I uh, I, I think it's working, and I think the, the lines are shifting more, and I think Hiller is doing a good job at adjusting mid-game, even mid-period, to to certain things with that. Yeah, I think the common denominator here we're talking about with who are the good lines going, it's Quentin Byfield. This dude, this guy. <laughs> You're not oh, wrong. Man. We have something special in LA. Like I'll say that. Like this, this kid is. It's it's you. I say it all the time. You just have to remind yourself. He's 21 years old. Just by the way he presents himself, the way he talks, and the way he plays. Just like every time you see Byfield on the ice, I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good right now. Something good's gonna happen at this moment. He's just using his speed. He's using his forechecking ability, his length, his power, his strength, everything, everything that was on his scouting report is coming. Is coming right into our eyes right here in front of us. It's been excellent to see. And yeah, the the combination with him and Dubois, it's it makes absolute sense that it's working, right? I mean, what we've seen Byfield be one of the few players who's not afraid to go to the front of the net at all these last probably this whole season, actually. So for a player like Dubois who's constantly looking for somebody in front of the net or in, in the slot, that match should work out pretty well. And it has. I mm-hmm. mean, you look at that. I mean that goal on in New Jersey, uh, that power—it was a power play goal. But even then, I thought that goal, assisted—I mean, assisted that uh, tying or winning goal, I guess, by uh, Byfield, assisted by Dubois and Clark. Uh, that's like Dubois made a great play along the wall, using his strength, getting it to Clark. And I think like so much happens that play that it just kind of exemplifies each player's strength. <laughs> 
that was involved in that moment. I mean, you see Dubois using his puck protecting ability, getting the puck to to Clark, and just in the handful of games that we've seen from Clark, he has a great uh, knack for getting shots through the net to the net. And it's just it's such a simple thing, but it's it's huge, especially when you have a big body like Quentin Byfield. And that goal that Byfield scored in New Jersey, I, I think I still think the Montreal goal is my favorite one so far of Byfield's career. Just the way he drove around yeah. Caden Bully and kind of put him in a, a washing machine there. It was great. But then that goal that he scored to take the lead in New Jersey, that might be my second favorite because it exemplifies everything that he's so good at. His strength, his body positioning and those hands that he uses to put the puck in the net just in that tight uh, of space. It was just beautiful. But yeah, I've just, I've been loving those two together and yeah, like we're all big fans of the fair air. So it's been a fun line to watch. Brandon, I'm bringing the Clark back. I'm bringing Clark back for a second. So you're going to yeah. like this because I'm glad Russ just said this. Cause I, I was kinda, thinking, you like that, like how I brought in a little bit more Clark. Yeah. I was like, you got to sprinkle it a little bit more. Clark. I'm, I'm bringing it full circle. Cause, cause I'm glad that you said that Russ. I was thinking about that today watching the penguins game is clark's not only his ability to get pucks through especially on the power play because you know he it's his willingness because you also have to have a guy that's out at the top that's not afraid or not hesitant to put a puck toward the net and what he's doing is you see he's he's not winding up he's not taking the hardest shot you've ever seen he's making a quick play with his feet to get himself into space to get himself into a shooting lane and so a puck can get through. So he beats that top killer. He can get the puck through. And then, again, uh, he's going to do that if there's traffic, if there's a lane to get it through. And I, I'm glad you said that because that was something I, I wanted to make sure I noted today um, because I noticed it against Pittsburgh uh, especially. And, yeah, that's that's a really, really good thing. So Jordan Spence, not to say Spence necessarily wasn't doing that, but this is kind of why I like the idea of Spence – God forbid, in the same lineup. Because imagine, because with with Clark's ability and willingness, like I said, to put a puck through from the top, okay, Spence has much more of a, a howitzer. He's got the one-time clapper. If Spence is on that left flank, the killers now have to respect both because Clark has shown a willingness to put pucks through. But Clark's Spence is going to have the hammer. So... I, I really think that could open up so much more if you have Spence over there on that left side. Uh, I know we'll never see it because God forbid, but I, I imagine the possibilities of those two on that second power play because just of their, their willingness and Clark's ability to get pucks through um, in, in sometimes high traffic areas. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, especially in the Boston game and in, in most games where he sometimes the power play, it'll be pass, pass, pass. And you're like, okay, where's the shot? Where's the shot? And he'll be like, okay, we need to get something towards the net to create some chaos. And I, it, it it works. And he you saw that in every level that he's at. And he, like you said, Joe, it's like it's like a nice little change up. He just like throws a circle change up there and and gets yeah. and just gets the, the defense off kilter because they're expecting a hard shot. The goalie's expecting a hard shot. And then it kind of just throws it. Uh, throws it the wrong way, and and you get some uh, a tip from Byfield, and you know to score that goal on the assist in the in the Boston game. So, mm -hmm. I he is you know he's still growing, and and I, I but I I don't think that he should ever be in the press box ever again. And that sucks for that sucks for Spence because Spence is as the defenseman leading the team in assists. So, <clears throat> um, 
the, neither of them should be. Yeah. yeah, neither of them should be. You're, you're it's right, so stupid right. that we've we've gotten to this point where now there are people. They're like I'm hearing like what like people compare the two. Like oh, Clark is better than Spence. Like nobody's doubting that Clark probably has a higher ceiling than Spence, and maybe even is a better player than Spence right now. But there's no reason that we can't play both. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> on the same they're on the same roster. There's a reason like you can have them both in the same line in the lineup at the same time. So it, it's it's dumb that it's come to this point because we've almost all kind of expected this change to just have this, this rotation just continue, which makes no sense. It makes yeah. no sense. I mean, you're talking. I mean, I can envision like Clark quarterbacking the second power play unit, even if you want to take Laferriere off it. I don't know who's on it now, actually. But um, they moved Byfield to the second year. Yeah. But if you can have Clark on the top and you can have Spence that one-time option on the right side or on, yeah. on the left side as a righty, I mean, like, it sounds yeah. too good. It sounds yeah. too good. Yeah. And then Dubois can be on the, the right with, with QB down. And I think they've got more in the bumper or, or Deneau sometimes that they've, they've used both in the bumper there. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I – Crazy, it's crazy talk. I know it's crazy, but kings yeah. kings don't like to have nice things. No, it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's just like it makes you wonder. The, the, the sad thing what is, do man, another... is they, they have the nice thing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's yeah. Part. We need to hey next uh, next show. We need to bring back the the tinfoil hat segment to talk about <laughs> this a little bit more because that it's the only ex- reason that they're not doing it at this point. It just uh, makes no sense. Do what you mean like this tinfoil hat question? Do we use? Spence for trade bait. I, I'm so I'm I'm I've gotten to the point where I'm just so against it. Like I'm going to tell you right now, no. if they trade Spence because they need to play jo- um, uh, Jordan Andreas England, <laughs> guys, I got nothing. Now again, riots in the streets with the caveat of like the same thing with Roy. I'm not trading Roy either. Okay. Yeah. But unless you're bringing in a top four LD. Like then, you can sell me on it. If you're, it just depends what's coming in. Like you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I'll put that caveat out there. But holy hell, if you're trading somebody with the caliber and the youth and the age and the contract and the team control of Jordan Spence, you f- better be getting a top four D or a number one goalie. And then even then, I'm gonna, it'll hurt. <laughs> I, because then you still have to play England, so uh, I can't believe you, said you, Rara, you know what I'm saying. Like, I can't believe Rara's you said back. you trade you know Spence for gonna, goalie. I can't. I can't believe that just came out of your mouth. There's one goalie that I would do it for, and that's UC Saros. And even then, okay, okay. it's because like, you have you have his tattoo on your right thigh. You see him every every day. <laughs> so so, like that's that's it though. So if you're trading him for the sake of like. I, that's the thing. The Spence thing, I don't really buy. Like, I can buy more of a Roy trade because it opens up money. Spence yeah. doesn't open up any money, so you're just trading a really talented player for a prospect. For what? So, uh, well, unless again, he would have to be the centerpiece of a deal that brings in an, a, a top four lefty, or or a, or a, like I said, a, a UC Saros. So, other than that, I am not on board with trading Jordan Spence. I'm sure as hell not on board with playing Andreas Englund over Jordan Spence, but this is the situation that we're in. So I think the question is very fair, though, that that whoever it was, I apologize, that asked the question, because what conclusions could you be coming to um, other than maybe are we seeing a potential for a Roy or a Spence trade, as dumb as that is, 
given who they're choosing to play over him. But that's where we're at. So it's a fair question. Well, Joe, go with your uh, your tweet earlier today um, about the zone exits, right? So the Kings have three players in the bottom 10 in zone exits, and three of the top guys in the league in zone exits are uh, per 60 or something like that were Clark, Spence, and Rivara. So, and we, so three, we have three in the bottom. The first one, so Michael Clifford at Slim Cliffy said that uh, it was um, – it was the it's very worrisome to him that the kings have three of the bottom 10 worst percentages in terms of failed exits so guys that just simply don't get pucks out of the zone and andreas england is dead last uh in the nhl matt roy is down there and mikey anderson we've talked about this like we love what mikey anderson and matt roy can do neither of them are going to be confused with smooth puck movers and all that stuff that so like they that doesn't sound to say that they can't do other things well but half your decor can't get pucks out or haven't gotten pucks out um at an effective rate then i was just poking around natural statric and again sample size consider here with clark moverari and spence but the top three defensemen on the la kings and individual scoring chance scoring chances so scoring chances for these three individuals among defensemen per 60 minutes, Brant Clark, Jacob Overari, Jordan Spence. Again, <laughs> not all that surprising. And again, I, I'm continue to be baffled by the matches. Reluctance. The it, it does. I continue to be baffled by the reluctancy to, to give Moverari a fair shot uh, in that LD three, you know, position. I know he's been hurt recently, but, uh, but all that to say, like, Back with the rain, I think he got three points in his first night back or something. Like he's that. a good player. I mean, he's a good player. He's an underrated puck mover. Um, so I, I, I think he fits just just as well. So I, I just think that because I'm very curious to see as we approach the deadline if they do look to upgrade Anglin or if they're just legit going to roll with them because I do have serious concerns when you've got a decor the way the Kings are built. I, you guys know I've had a problem with the way this decor has been built for a long time. That can it? That's not beating Dallas, in my opinion. They can't handle the Dallas, the speed that Dallas brings at them. So I haven't seen a win in Dallas in like four years. So you know, like, <laughs> like I me, said in the last pod, if they have four home games here, guaranteed. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm that's where I'm just I'm just I look at I'm taking a step back. I'm like, okay, the matchup. Entering today, I haven't seen after the Pittsburgh game, but entering today was, I believe we would play Dallas. The Kings would oh, play yeah. Dallas. I, I don't like it. I don't like that matchup. You know, uh, that that that's my concern is, is you have a decor that is built to kind of like. It still is. Okay. So you have a decor that's built to, to get, you know, zone entries or block zone entries. But if a team can get in. You have to be able to get pucks out. Now, obviously, it's not all that jarring that two of the guys on that list for the Kings are left D. Like, the way the Kings want to do it, if they're able to get the 1-3-1 set up, is they force them to the left side. So the puck, that's when Anderson and England and and, and uh, Gavrikov can be aggressive, force the dump, and the right shot D can, Mm -hmm. you know, can make a play out of the zone. That's that's ideal. but that's not always going to happen. So it, it's just I just continue to have concerns about the decor, and that's you know that's where I'm at right now. Let, let's do, 
I'm going to ask you this, Joe, because you, you brought up an interesting point about, like, I've been seeing more and more rumblings about the Kings looking for a new goaltender. Mm-hmm. And I guess it makes sense, like, with some things that have been going on. I mean, Talbot played pretty good today, but even then he's kind of been struggling. And uh, Riddick is – he's been good, but you you never know probably. I, I, I'm not going to say that they need to go out and get a goaltender, but mm-hmm. I understand their conversations. Sure. Let's 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 play. Let's why don't we just do a tinfoil hat segment? Let's have, let's have some fun here. What um would you think that the Kings are a better team with a right shot defensive core of Dowdy, Clark, and Spence, and with a goalie of Soros, or would you just roll with what you're rolling with now? So my am I I'm saying would you trade Roy and package? So basically, him Roy in a package for yeah. For I I think the Kings I, I think I would do it. Interesting. If it's Soros, yeah. I would do it. Now it depends on the rest of that package because again, it's tough, right? Roy Roy, what makes Roy difficult? They're asking a lot too, apparently. Oh, That's the, of course they are. He's a twenty-eight-year-old been got one more year left. He's got one more year at five million. So uh, yeah, of course. So you figure what is the rest of that? Because Roy is a pending UFA in his late twenties. Mm-hmm. Not an offensive defenseman, very, very like, you know what I mean? So I just don't know what he nets yeah. because Roy Roy is one of those guys that you could see that's dealt from a team that's out of the playoffs going to a contender. That's not the Kings. So the Kings, in order to deal Roy, you have to get something of value back. So whether that's Soros, but if you're getting Soros, boy, are you adding a lot to that package? Right. What else is going there? Is it Kaliev? You know, there's going to be a lot more to that package. Um, Whereas if you go Roy, you go for a defenseman, you know, something like a, a, like a Chikrin, we'll throw that name out there again. But again, it's tough to do because if you're Ottawa, you need more. Because you probably have to find a a third, a third team in all this, right? Or Or, even just trade Roy. And then, or be willing to add to the package, like if it is is Roy plus a piece, Roy plus Kalia plus a pick, enough yeah. for uh, Chikrin, for example. And I'm say I say Kalia, insert young player, insert prospect. It doesn't have to be Kalia. I'm just throwing his name in there. But you know what I mean. Something. It's Roy, who at least the team that's getting him has an opportunity to sign him, plus a young player who's under team control plus a pick like is something like that get something done and if you can't do that i'm not trading roy then you know and i know people don't like the idea of losing something for nothing but the kings are in a playoff spot and i do like matt roy so i'm not trading him on same thing with spence like as like i said earlier with spence like unless you're getting something uh, of value and to me where the king's I think the Kings could use a top four defenseman. So if they, but I don't know how you get one of those without trading, you know, like a Jordan Spence or something. So that gets really tricky. Um, and again, the goaltending market, I'm not trading for a goalie unless it's Soros. I don't think like Markstrom. Perfect for the Kings right now because of his contract. And it helps that he's got one year left at yeah. a good number and he's still young enough to wear. I don't want the Kings to get stupid with Soros, but like, (laughs) (laughs) 
you know what I mean? Like he's young and he's he's he's. I, I think mean, he'll want it. He'll want it eight by eight or eight by eight and a half. Like you got probably. He'll want a deal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true, Randon. You're right, and I'm not. But that's that's why I say like his he's his contract is like perfect for the Kings because yeah. they still have Kopitar for two two more years at seven million. I mean, their cap space is really limited for the, probably the next year or two. So if you can find a way to sque- squeeze in Soros, because what is Soros' contract like? Five million. Five. Yep. Five. Five. Yep. Which, That's I mean, fine. this year and next year, five million dollars for Soros. Yep. I'll take it. I mean, yep. especially when you have no goaltender signed for next year. But obviously, that total- means that means Roy's the one that's got to go. Yeah, exactly. Unless there's a surprise, right? Unless there's a surprise. Yeah. I will say this though: I sense that all the talk of the goaltending stuff. I don't know. I. I, I know, I think I've heard Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts say it. I just won't believe it when I see it, I think. Like, the Kings, I don't know. Because I don't I, I don't know what other goaltenders would be out there that would be worth spending exactly. assets for. Like, if it's Saros, like, hey, if you got an opportunity to get Saros, try to shoot your shot. But otherwise, like, I'm not going after Jake Allen. You know, I'm not going after somebody like that. You know, I don't think the Kings should. Your boy just, Markstrom's kind of been floating out there. He he's interesting. I don't know why the Devils haven't done that yet. They're just just I, I don't know what they're waiting for. Um, I, I I I am interested in Markstrom, although I don't know what how many years he's got left on his deal. Um, his is a little more. I think his is six years. Yeah, <clears> years six. He's he's got two two years left at six million. So that's a little bit heavier, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like him. I just, I think there's going to be other teams, like I said, New Jersey, that that just needs to get that done way, at, way more of a priority than than the Kings do. So, Markstrom uh, is Calgary's goaltender. I see Nick asking in the chat. It's one of those. Yes, but barring one of those two, like who else are you going to really trade for that is mm-hmm. worth? Is that genuinely that much of an upgrade? Because we, t- you talked, you mentioned the penalty kill earlier. The Kings have. Their penalty kill save percentage would be a top 10 five on five save percentage, which says two things. Their penalty kill goaltending has been incredible. And two, probably not that sustainable. But like the goaltending isn't an issue. <clears throat> I'm like the goaltending is fine, right? It, it's it's not a problem. So I don't think the goaltending is the number one priority right now. Like I know they're not the sexiest of names, but I just don't think. Like I, I, I think, uh, like I said, I think they need a defense. I think, I think that's if if they're going to go shopping in the deadline. I know they're tight against the caps; so they may not be able to, and whatever. Uh, defenseman is where I'm shopping. Yeah, if you can flip Roy somehow, like th- that's the thing; it's a hard trade because I think you mentioned it. He's a pending UFA, so mm-hmm. most of the time when you're making trades and when teams are trying to upgrade the deadline, they're trading future assets for established right. talent. And now we're trying to we're talking about trading established talent for established talent. So let me ask you guys: Would you trade? Would, would a trade of Roy, Kaliev, and a pick? We'll say a second, or maybe a conditional second for it. Probably have to be a first. No, maybe for Jacob Chikrin. Who says oh, no? Chikrin. Oh, for Chikrin. I'm saying, yes, I'm sorry. I'm saying for Chikrin. So if if it's Roy, Kaliev, and a second. Who says no? Ottawa or Los Angeles? I think Ottawa, Ottawa says no. Yeah. yeah. Because they're okay. looking for future. I think I don't unless think they so. figure out a way to re-sign Roy. If they if they can t- if they're talking like, okay, we can re-sign because <clears throat> Ottawa needs a player like Matt Roy. They need like someone Agreed. who would help out like a Shabbat or a Sanderson. 
but, but you're getting a future too in that deal in Kaliev and a pick, and you have the yeah. opportunity to perhaps sign Roy. Um, and I don't think they're Kaliev, looking. Kaliev's in I the press think, box. Like, what do you really have in him? Like, there's no video of him this year. Really, I don't like, think they're selling. I don't think Ottawa's selling. I think they're re retooling. I don't think you're going to oh, see like them sell, sell off. That no, that to sell. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think they should. I think they can retool, and I don't even think they should trade Checkman. By the way, I think that's pretty stupid. But if they're going to, I'm going to listen. So I, I, so I'm just, I'm just again throwing stuff out there, and I don't know what other defenseman. I know we've we've talked about Byram in the past because Colorado may look at some other things. They're looking for a center and all that stuff. So um, again, it's it's this is the tinfoil hat segment. So they just throw whatever at the wall yeah, and see what sorry. sticks. Speaking of speaking of throwing whatever the wall, that's how I like to gamble. And our our sponsor here is DraftKings. So DraftKings here, uh, bet anytime you want here with DraftKings. Just bet five dollars on any single game and get $200 in bonus bets like you did for the Super Bowl. DraftKings is your number one uh, sports betting partner of the NHL. So DraftKings, the uh, use or download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL with code THPN. The crown is yours. So you you, you said tinfoil hot about getting a trade. What what about a addition by subtraction? Is the team better if they just trade Roy, Roy for picks or prospects or whatever just to get his? You didn't even let me finish there, Joe. You're nodding <laughs> me off over there. Man. But to get to get Clark and Spence on the ice at the same time, right? And then you make a secondary move because now you have cap space, you have some futures, you have like a team like Nashville has no use for Matt Roy if they're going to sell off, right? So. Maybe it's a two-step process rather than a one-step process. No, I think it, I, I, I honestly think it's a valid conversation and a valid, valid point. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're talking about uh, we're hyping up Jordan Spence so much, and, and that's not. And so I, there's a reason for that. He's been really good this year, and Joe said he led the he's leading the team in assists and and all that good stuff. So <clears throat> I feel like losing Roy for future assets and not getting anything that would impact the team now makes the team worse. I'll say that when, if you have to bring in uh, Clark and Spence on the right side, I think, and you lose Roy, I think it makes the team worse. I don't think it makes them like that much worse where it's going to be like not a playoff team or couldn't probably even make noise in the playoffs. But that's not, that's the thing right now for the Kings. I disagree. I think it's, I think they're better with both of them on the ice. And oh, you think Roy they're better? Okay. Well, I just think, I think, okay, I think they're slightly better with Matt Roy on the roster. And if they're trying to win right now, I think Roy gives you a better chance to do that on the roster. So that, that's my answer. Joe, I, I think, I think I would lean to the Roy um, in Randon's question about trading him for assets, trading Spence for assets. Uh, not Spence, I, Roy. For assets. I'm sorry, Roy. Sorry, that's what I meant. I I, I think the Kings would be. <sighs> they're better it's in the a, way. They're better in the way that they are currently built. Because, again, you have Anderson Gavrikov, and England. I think that Roy and Gavrikov have been a good. I know Roy played a bit has played a bit now more recently with England at times when Clark's been in the lineup. I, I, I think Roy is a good defenseman 
I think he helps the Kings. I think he's a stable defenseman. I appreciate the question. I think it's a very legitimate question. It's a shame that we have to have it because the organization is just choosing to make us have this conversation rather than just put England in the press box. But Randon, I think there's no, there's not like I just don't think it's a like it's a hockey trade unless the team that you're trading for is willing to make two moves. I think two moves have to happen. No team that's trading away a a, a service of player is going to take Roy unless they're one going to extend him or two trade him away. Yeah. Like if Ottawa traded if if he's in this hypothetical for for Chikrin, then Ottawa's just going to flip him for another player or for picks or for whatever. I mean, he's almost thirty. Like if if Ottawa is going to be contending. Like, I don't think it's next year. I don't even think it's the year after. So, like, is Roy really going to help you in that championship window? Probably not. So then maybe you flip him to a team that is in a championship. He also has to choose to sign there, right? It's like, does he want to play in autumn? Right. So, like, I think there's too much. I think it's just – it's either we have to make two moves to make it happen or or another team has to make it two moves. Or, like you said, Russ, a three-team trade where everybody gets what they want. But it's not going to be anything easy. And and as much as you guys are – uh, you know, trade deadline junkies and stuff like that, trying to get your fix in. I think there's a big percentage chance that the Kings do nothing. Agreed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think you're very much right because, well, first of all, I mean, Blake's more or less said as much, and the Kings are tight against the cap. And if, again, like one of their their biggest assets right now to trade are probably Roy. Who's a pending UFA? Who you can't just sell? I don't think you should just sell for assets, future assets. Spence, who, boy, like I said before, you better be getting something legit coming back. And again, I, I guess Kaliev, right? He's been a disgruntled. That's harsh, but like the the kid wants to play and he's not playing. So you know what I mean? Counting his fist, right? So so. And then when you do that, play him, you don't play him on the power play where is his best. Yeah, I thought that was strange. I would have liked to see him get some power play time. So I think Kaliev, I, I still think Kaliev's got, I mean, his value is not what it probably was a couple of years ago. I still think he could be a decent piece here. Um, so oh, yeah. I, I I think he can be a piece to get something. So I think those are probably your three biggest assets. And the problem with the latter, with with Spence and Kaliev, is they don't make any money. <laughs> so you can't bring anything in because of where they're at with the cap. Um, I haven't looked at cap friendly. I know they got some LTIRs right now, but I don't know that those will be a factor come trade deadline time. So I don't think you can bank on that. So I don't yeah, know not if that... you want to activate Lazat too. Exactly. So I really don't think that they have the ability to, to well, what trade. about my tweet the other day, right? Getzel is on a team that's not winning. Penguins aren't doing anything, right? So you acquire him, his LTIR money to get you through because it's a eight six to eight week, right? That puts you right up against it. Oh, he needs more time. Back, like right after the trade deadline. So I don't know. Or maybe, said, maybe I thought it was, four, I thought it was six to eight weeks, but like mid March. Yeah. But then, Oh, <laughs> he's had a, he's had a setback and then, Oh no. And whatever, you know, and then all the of a sudden Stone oh, situation all over. Again. Yeah. Like, why not? Like get some, like, Dude, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. If I was a team, and then you have 5 million LTIR money. You could that allows you to make another trade, still get whatever goal you want. Like, let's just dump it all in. Let's just let's you know Boston Tea Party this, F England. Let's just pour it all into the ocean and into the season and go for it. Why not? 
I mean, I'm all for the LTIR playing around. I feel like the Kings are kind of doing that right now, actually. A mm-hmm. bit with oh, for sure. I feel like there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially to get Arvidsson back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the, this thing, too, especially with Arvidsson back, and we have Lazat who's going to come back soon. Um, so, I mean, you kind of look at the the forward the lineup the way it is, and for as much as maybe we get disappointed at Trevor Lewis uh, playing over some other younger players – feel like they're pretty solid in a lot of positions. I mean, at least the top nine is the best it's probably ever been all, all year. Probably the best it will be all year. So I like it, everything, mm-hmm. the way they're figured out. They, they're trying. It seems like they're trying to figure out someone to play with Kopitar and Kempe. Nice segue there, Russ. We saw, yeah, there we go. We saw we saw more there. We saw Fiala there. We saw Cali there. Like, there's a bunch of trying to – I mean, especially since once they took Byfield down the third line. But, yeah, the top line with Arvidsson back now – Yep. I mean, the nice line has been humming. I, I, I know Fiala played there a little bit more than more today, but even then, like, I mean, we talked a little bit about Victor Arvid's re- return and tried to hype him up a little bit. I don't know if we hyped him up enough, to be honest with you, because not alone, but his impact uh, individually in the roster and in the lineup, especially his first game in New Jersey, he looked incredible, looked like he was shot out of a cannon, just going after Jack Hughes. It was great to have him around but the way he's able to not only affect his line mates but just affect the rest of the lineup now i mean we're talking about byfield playing with dubois and we've never had the chance to have that conversation because of you're missing a top nine forward there and now that you have that i mean the jim hiller's got a lot of toys new toys he can play with right now but i mean victor arvidsson's just kind of single him out a little bit i mean dude he's he's looked so good so fresh just the energy, everything we've been kind of noticed with Victor Arvidsson since he's been a king has been uh, laid out on the ice each each game so far. And I think there's one thing that I forgot myself. I don't know if anyone else had thought about it, but I mean, we're talking about a player who's also going to be a pending uh, unrestricted free agent in the oh, offseason. Yeah. So oh, yeah. he's playing for a new contract. He's playing that he's got to show the rest of the league that he's not some player who's going to be hampered by back surgeries each season he's got to show the league that hey i can still be a mm-hmm. four five six million dollar forward in the league so we're going to get a motivated victor arvidsson looking for a new contract like at that too for sure is that something really- that is that something that you're i mean i know we're not in the off season yet but you know is that something that you're willing to do is resign the 30 plus year old victor arvidsson or you kind of i mean the, if i'm the kings i'm not if if I'm the Kings, I'm not. I mean, it kind of seems like the way that the roster is kind of figured out right now, unless they figure it out and, and kind of can squeeze Arvidsson in there, I would expect Roy to be gone and I would expect Arvidsson to be gone just because I expect them to get new deals, at least Roy get a hefty new deal and most likely Arvidsson just the way the salary cap is going. So, I mean, I'm totally cool with it. Just like if they both want to walk in the offseason, it is what it is. And you got some young forwards that probably could take their place, but. Hey, I'll take a motivator. Gimo, Turcotte, Alex, uh, Akil Thomas, Chromiak. I mean, I know they're not going to be playing at Victor Arvidsson's level right now, but, I mean, you have to eventually give some of these guys a shot. Depending on how Arvidsson's season ends, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him take, like, a one-year prove-it deal or a two-year deal, I guess. I'm sure he's going to want more. I just don't know who gives him – a lot more as he's going to be entering his age 31 season. Like who's handing him a five, six year deal. Like if the Kings could get him on like a, a one or two year deal, 
you know, I, I can see that I'm open to it, but I'm not expecting it because there's probably going to be somebody real quick. Has he back, ever won? Or, has he won? What's the final Nashville? He so lost. No. Yeah, they they lost it. Yeah, they lost in the Cup final to. So Pittsburgh, maybe that. Right? I mean, or Western Conference final, maybe. No, they went or, to the no, final, final to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, they beat San Jose in the yeah. Western Conference finals, I believe, and then they lost to Pittsburgh. So I mean, that's a that's a, a person that's over thirty in in sports. I mean, trophy <laughs> jumping or hopping or whatever you want to call it or hunting. Uh, you know, that can oh, be it just depends because if, if he takes if he, a little if, bit of if he ends the season really strong has a good playoff like then he's going to get a multi-year deal and at five per yeah. and that's and let somebody do that that's that's perfectly fine real quick i want to touch on something that shank master said earlier we've got a 42 percent like to view ratio so let's let's up that a little bit hit, hit the like button as shank master like mentioned it. but yes dude the arvidson i think we we're right to downplay it just because Guys coming off of back surge doesn't play the game. I think it'd be a little unfair to see him to expect him to step in and be like, "Oh, he's going to be Victor Arvidsson of of hey." Like, no, I mean it's going to take a little bit, but he's he's come out hot. The line looks good, you know. He's he's playing well, um, and I think that's a really really big. It just adds that much more depth to where that third line, you know, doesn't have to have kind of a revolving door of a Anderson Dolan or a Grundstrom or a um, Kaliev, it can be Byfield right now, at least playing with Dubois and Laferriere because you got Arvidsson up in the top six again. So I think it really does help some things. I'm, I'm, I like it. I, I, I think he's been really good. Uh, so I'm definitely, it's a huge addition to the Kings top six and top nine in general. Like it's just a, a really, really good, it, it lengthens the lineup. You mentioned how it, it, this is probably the best the top nine on paper has been. Um, and now you've got a lot of options for the fourth line. Really? I mean, you can kind of mix and match. It's, it's a similar conversation with Anglin. It's kind of sad that the one guy that should be mixed and matched and in and out of lineup isn't, but again, here we are, we can't have nice things, but they have options now for that for that fourth line, um, which is great. And credit to Turcotte, too, by the way. I think he's playing some pretty good hockey. Uh, today, he seemed to get – he get the short end of the stick with some ice time today, but uh, up until – That's happened that, twice so far, and I was that was going to be my question. It's happened twice so far, and Hiller's been saying, hey, like special teams was the effect of that. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they don't put him on penalty kill. Like, he – decent decent on the faceoff dot. He's a scrappy player. Like, Lazat has penalty kill time. Like, Seems like that would be a way to get him some ice time, but like, oh, like, oh, we got we got too many penalties, and they kind of just shortchanged him. And like, it's been noticeable. Like, it's not like a halfway. It's like, oh, he didn't play almost the entire second period, and then mm -hmm. we're only down by one goal. So now we're going to shorten the bench, and like, it doesn't seem like, yeah, it's you, like a it's, like, it's a medium knob turn. It's on or off. You know, you look at you look at probably faceoffs probably has something to do with him not on the penalty kill. Probably yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his face off, Russ. I don't know if you know offhand what he's at in the in the mm -hmm. dot. But you look at these last one, two, three, four, five, six, even seven games, eight games. I mean, there's there's a lot, not a lot, not as much five on five time. I mean, there was 39 minutes of five on five time in that Devils game. 43 minutes of five on five time today. There's a lot of special teams. And he's at 54 percent this year. Yeah, so that's okay. that's so so I think though with Turcotte, you probably it's probably a situation, Randon, where you're coming into it where you've got kind of an established group of killers 
I think the penalty kill is is one where you, you're going to lean on guys you trust rather than throw a kid in there. Do I think he can do it? Yes, I do think he can do it, Randon. But I, I sort of understand it. And this does happen. It happens at my level where you've got guys that don't play special teams and they just get lost in a game where there's a lot of penalties. And it sucks because there's not a whole lot you can do. You try to find a spot here and there, but but there's times where you kind of lose them a bit. Um, he seems like a player that, though, they were doing wing rotations today because of the penalties, you know, where Kaliev was up on the first line and stuff like that. He's mm-hmm. played wing before. Fair like, point. Yeah, I'd where, like to see like, that. Like throw him up there just for a shift on on a wing with somebody else, you know, and then good, then... good point. I think so. Especially, I, think I, I I don't think that would hurt. Sorry, Russ, but I don't think that's a no. bad idea, Randy. Just because, kind of wouldn't mind seeing Lazat play or uh, uh, Turk out play the wing when Lazat comes back. So, right, unless they just for some reason don't want him on the wing. I don't know if that's a thing. Like if that if if like an Lazat organizational comes, thing. Like they just listen. He's a center. I don't know if that's. But I, I would love it if Lazat comes back and Turcotte can stay in the lineup on his wing. So, yeah, Brandon, that's a good point. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the wing a little yeah. bit here and there. Lewis, Lewis with Lazat and Turcotte doesn't sound bad. I mean, we're saying that just because we don't expect him to pull Lewis out of the lineup. Right. But if you have a choice between Anderson Dolan, Turcotte, Grunstrom, Kaliev on the other side. It's Turcotte. Probably lean to Turcotte. Anderson Dolan's been yep. okay. I'm, I'm a John guy. Better. You guys know that. Yeah, yeah. But I think Turcotte would probably choose over that. I would. I'm, I think with Turcotte, I'm just kind of glad that he's playing. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. we're seeing him healthy, which is good. I don't think expectations obviously weren't that high for Turcotte this year, and and to him just to make an impact, he had that that really fun game in Nashville uh, with the goal and the assist. So I think that's. I don't want to say if that's like his only big moment of the regular season, that's like, I'm cool with it. But even then, like, like that's what we've been saying with Turk out this year. It's just like, as long as he's playing and healthy, that's great. Hey, if he wants to, if they want to send him back down to the AHL after that, after this, and once Lozak comes back and go with the rotation and other wing, it is what it is. But then you come back next year, you have an experienced Turcot who's got NHL games in under his belt. And if let's say Lozak doesn't resign and he ends up walking, then you have a fourth line center that can probably fit in. But yeah, I mean, just, just kind of. He needs more all than in. seven minutes of ice time. Yeah, and it's just tough right now. You, the, the thing with Hiller is he rolls with the guys that he feels like are rolling and the best time in the game. Like I, he said, it's so weird. He said that um, his first question about Dubois was, I don't know if you guys remember when he talked about Dubois. He said if Dubois has a good night, then he's going to continue to play. And he kind of mentioned too right after that if someone is having other someone else is having a good night, then they're going to play. And we're kind of seeing that, right? We're seeing like like the the two games with Byfield, the game against New Jersey, and I believe the game against Buffalo. There's only been three times in Byfield's career where he's had played over 19 minutes. Those were two of the games. So we're seeing Hiller just play the guys that are playing well that night. And we didn't really see Dubois too much today because he was having some, somewhat an off night. But even though their line plays the most because you got mm-hmm. Byfield on their side. So, I mean, I, I like these rotations that Hiller's rolling with. I like we're seeing him just – not be afraid to just break up lines and, and throw out a mix. Um, I mean, think, I think after there was after a penalty kill, we saw Fiala with Arvidsson, and I think Clark was on the ice too at the same time. And man, those three together on the ice bring some electricity. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what Hiller kind of concocts uh, going forward here, especially once you get a player like Lazat back in the lineup. 
Yeah, and not think... afraid, not and not afraid to play because he had a good game, and then they he put Byfield out on three on three. You know, like, oh, so it's yeah, like exactly, we've been yeah. we've been asking for that. And and it and, and it didn't work out right in the beginning, but him and Dubois were out there right away, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah, it's uh I, I do like that. Like we're, you know, it's I guess we're tying a bow on the Hiller tenure because we took the long, long route to get here. But well, I, I like I like his his willingness to to move things in, in game, throw different forwards for a shift or two. Uh, he seems to be able to get a good pulse of how the team's playing, and if a, and you get rewarded, I sign based on, and that's what that's what my tweet was when he first saying like, hey, we'll, I'll give you I sign based on how you're playing, and then the line that. Where, uh, I mean, I, was this before he got the coaching job? Anyways, with that third line, they scored all the goals or whatever. But Turcotte was rolling, and they gave them plenty of ice time. You know, yeah. I don't know if that was right, if that was the first game of Hillers, or if that was right before. But the point is, is, is that he's noticing when players are playing better, and then kind of tinkering a little bit, and then shoving that line out there a lot more. I think, and I, and I think with with that is you're not. I wasn't expecting anything drastic from a system standpoint because you you got these guys that have been used to this for a couple of years now. I, I don't think you're in a playoff spot, right? It's not as if you've got to like really push a panic button per se. Maybe oh, refine things. Well, to, <laughs> we already like pushed we, that button, yeah. We did, we did, but but he didn't need to. And I think, like you said, Brandon, you used the word make some tweaks here and there, and then, you know he kept a lot of stuff roster wise has been kind of the same um but now we're slowly starting to see because i think he's going to take a couple of games to get things get his feet wet get a good foundation under him how he's seeing things from his new position and we're starting to see him throw some things out there in part to maybe get something going in part because guys are playing well and he wants to get a more ice time in part because he's probably kind of just trying to figure out what is going to work. Um, and I think we'll continue to see little tweaks like that, Randon. Um, you know, uh, again, any, I don't know that there's going to be anything drastic, but I think the team has played really well under him overall. I mean, it's been five games. They're four and one. Um the first two, I know they beat Edmonton, but the first two weren't great. I, I, I'll take the win with Edmonton as, as being a good win, but I didn't love the process. But the last three, I thought it had been pretty good games against good good road teams. So um, I, I think it's been good. And, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see how the next – I know, Randy, you said they got a tough stretch coming up here. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. A lot of games, but uh, we, got, we should have six points at home. Uh, they're playing Columbus, Nashville, and then the Ducks. Oh, okay. So, yeah, well, you look uh, at Tankathon. But, but then they go on the road. They, they go on the road after that. The road, yeah. And then they play Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver three games in four nights. So, yeah, you look, but you look at Tankathon. I don't know if you guys ever go to tankathon.com. They have the mm-hmm. easiest strength of schedule or the second easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the year. So, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, it should be. There's a lot of winnable games coming up for the Kings. And like Brandon said, these next three, one at three at home should be wins. So, I mean, I say that with a lot of <laughs> regret, probably, since we've seen yeah, how they play. You said, lately, that a, you said that with a question mark is what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I guess one more thing I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about, too, is the response from Kopitar after the Buffalo game. I mean, 
goes minus six in Buffalo, and you see oh. people like talking about we need to sit him and and pull him <clears> down <throat> to the third line, which I mean I probably got caught lost in that too, which maybe just talk about more about if you want to give other people more minutes, which is totally fine with me. But I mean, his response, what three last three games, two goals and an assist plus two that pass looked today. Really good tonight. Oh man, he looks great tonight. The last couple of games has looked excellent. So, I mean, for him to respond after that Buffalo game, I'm sure it was kind of weighing on him a little bit. Never had probably his worst performance of his career in terms of plus minus. So did, I mean, yeah, did, he's, he's looked pretty good. I don't know if you heard on if you listened to 32 Thoughts, but Elliot Friedman said that Kopitar being minus six was a conversation like around the league. In like really? other lock in like other locker rooms, like other like uh, at like pregame skates, like yeah. is that true. Kopitar was like that's how highly respected he is. I don't know if it was uh, Friedman or if it was Merrick, but either way, it was mentioned on that pod. Like it was a topic of conversation amongst other players around the league and their morning skates or whatever pregames, whatever. Um, that just kind of speaks to the um, you know the, how much respect Kopitar has around the league. Yeah, I, I, I like Holden 92's comment too. That his minus six was kind of overblown because it was overblown. Players around it, it really was. Yeah. I mean, some of the other giveaways, Dowdy's giveaway was horrible. Mikey had a bad game. That that pair had a bad game. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's good to see him respond. Was, the way was it has. overblown? We got shellacked. We got shellacked. Yeah, but I think no, it was his individual in performance like... was overblown. Like yes, his, yeah, yeah, his minus six, but the team but, it was pathetic. I don't know. I mean, I, he's been bad. I mean, and outside a couple of games, he's been bad. He hasn't been. I mean, whether that's injury, whether that's whatever, before the break or whatever, he wasn't playing good. And and no, yeah, yeah no, he wasn't. So I totally agree. So I mean, I think the fact that <clears throat> you know, I brought this up last season in in the tinfoil hat segments that we were having. Like, is is the downfall of Kopitar ever going to happen? And when it does happen, are we going to be caught with our pants down of like we don't have a number one seed? Right, because Dano's not that guy. PLD mm-hmm. hasn't been playing that way. And at that time, we were talking. We didn't even have PLD. Velarde was there. Like he's not a center. Like are we going to be caught with our pants down and not have anybody to lead this team? We saw that a little bit this year. Whether that's injury or not, he wasn't playing. He played. It's probably his worst hockey that I've seen over a month stretch. So, like, so... you know, and that's why we. I think that's why they made the trade for PLD. Now, whether he can be a number one center or not is a future conversation, but you know, it's kind of like, well, it was kind of like a, like, Oh, well, I mean, is this, is this the end of it for him? Let for, me ask you this though. Let me, let, me put it, let me, let me put it this way with regards to the one C and that whole conversation. Cause I listen, you're right. Kopitar is probably not. You look at some of the top centers and look at some of the top centers in the division. He's not <laughs> quite at that level. Okay. Let's be fair. But I don't think the Kings – I said not that they don't care about that. The Kings are looking at it, in my opinion, with the addition of Dubois. The Kings aren't going to beat you with upper echelon talent. The Kings are the goal for the Kings is to beat you with the depth. That's down the middle. That's on the back end. That's, that's what they're looking at. So I think the Kings are looking at it as we may not have a 1C, but we got three 2Cs, right? So they're looking at it is because the, the one thing the Kings, I think, do lack when compared to a lot of other teams, and especially cup contending teams, is they don't have stars, like legit game-breaking stars. And But I think they're built in a way that's going to try to beat you with depth. 
I don't know how well that's going to work. But so you're not wrong, Randon. I think the fact that, you know, Kopitar is a, a probably a back end 1C at this stage of his career. But I think the Kings understand that. And that's why they went and got Dubois is, is the fact that, okay, we may not have a 1C right now. But we've got, like I said, 3-2 season. They're going to try to beat you with the depth rather than the upper part of a lineup. So, you know, again, we, we just talked about how Quentin Byfield's on the third line with Dubois. There's not a lot of third lines in the league that can come at you with that. So that's how the Kings are going about this. Um, I'm not – that's not to say, like, dispute per se, Randon. It's just I think that's how they're looking at this. Yeah, I was, no, I, I was listening to the, the Penguins. I was listening to Penguins broadcast today, and they talked about like they're they're mentioning all these names that are on the Kings. They're like, man, this team is just loaded with talent, and it's yeah, it's not high end talent, but uh, it's it's there's a they've, lot of good. They've got like six. three second lines. They've got like yeah, exactly, which is totally fine. Yeah. Or or three back end first lines, if you like, you not go. great, not not great first lines, but like you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think there's I think there's two ways. I think there's Two things that also could be true, right? Kopitar's in the back end of his career, he's not as good as he was in his prime. Sure, sure. Fair. But you look at like other teams, is, other teams are not without fault, especially with uh-huh. high end players, right? You look at Edmonton when make, the McDavid dry saddle line isn't going, like that team is horrible. Like they can't because they don't have the depth to compete, right? And then you see them in the playoff game in some third periods when the game is tied, they'll roll two lines and McDavid <laughs> playing 30 minutes. Like David and Dreisler were playing 30 minutes in that series. Yeah. And so, like, the Kings can't have Kopitar playing 25 minutes a night like he was in January. Like, they need to rely on the depth, like you said, Joe. And so I think there's positive negatives, right? Because, yeah, you don't have that line that can just take over a game on night in and night out. But the Kings have three lines that could potentially have a good game and be a a backbreaker for for a team. So in a seven-game series, I don't know if one's better than the other. Because it's you know, the age old question. It, it's it is what it Depth is versus but, the stars. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, at least I'll I'll, I'll say like finish with Kopi with this is he played 17 minutes in Buffalo, obviously the minus six, but the next three games, 20 minutes, 21 minutes, 21 minutes, and he's probably looked the best he's looked in quite a while. Like I'm with you, Randy. Like I think before the Buffalo game and even end the Buffalo game, he hadn't looked good at all. And that's yeah. why there were questions about injuries. It's like, okay, this Kopitar playing hurt. There's gotta be something else going on here. And then it all culminated with that Buffalo game. But, I mean, the last three games, he's answered the bell. He's responded well, and I think he deserves a little bit of praise for that. But as far as yeah, the future does. 1C, the the future 1C, like, the way Byfield's been playing, like, I have no concern right now with the future 1C. Because I see him as, like, Byfield's going to be a legitimate, like, superstar in the league, the way he's been playing right now. He's putting up, like, those type of numbers, and especially the skill set that he has, and just the fact that he's, only 21 he's six foot five already and he's gonna get even probably bigger which is insane to think about like I, i'm not scared at all for the future aspects of the king's needed star talent i mean they'll have to develop probably a little bit more once kopitar leaves but the next two years we'll just have to ride kopitar i guess to right. get hopefully 16 20 minutes a game right now byfield's on pace for 28 goals and 66 points yeah money which is None what of us i wanted from him well, I said he's going to have to. I didn't expect that, but I said this is what I yeah. demand out of him was over yeah, 60. Yeah, Randon wanted 60, yeah, for sure. He wanted it, yeah. I don't think – we were all – I was on the fence of like 45, like totally cool yep. with it. But, yep. I mean, the things Same. that I'm seeing from him, like it's 
this is the step that we needed. We were, we wanted to see. This is the, this is the step, and yeah, and I agree. I think the future one C. I think it's still it's conceivable to to expect that to be Byfield, but I think it's really smart what the how the organization is handling this. They're not forcing him into the spot where he's not ready for. They're letting him kind of just grow and evolve uh, with a little bit less uh, pressure, a little bit less you know, responsibility, if you will, and it's working and he's, he's been excellent. And I think it's going to be a, an easier transition for him once he's built up this, he he's got years under his belt of experience, a couple of years under his belt of experience as a winger, but he's also been played top line minutes as a winger. So I think that's only going to help him as he eventually, I expect him to eventually transition back, but who knows? I mean, if he's this good as a winger, I mean, I guess it depends on what the, the roster looks like in the future, but yeah, I still think it, there's reason to be pretty optimistic that he can be the future one. See the way he's going. Or you could just you sign dry saddles a restricted or restricted free agent when he's free. There we go. Uh, <laughs> do you think the do you think the failure of handling Velarde as a center had anything to do with how they handled Byfield as a center? No, uh, I know the teams were in the same. Thing. I know the. No, I mean the, the teams were in different spots, but he. Velarde played 10 games and he had a good 10 games and then they shoved him into the 2C role. And like then he kind of crumbled there. And like they've kind of been milking Byfield on the wing all the way up. Like they oh, never okay. they've never you. thrusted him into starting, like Joe said. So like, do you think that, yeah. that had anything to do with it? Or because the teams were in different spots in their in their development? I think that's that it. That's it, more yeah. the reason. There was but, no opportunity for Byfield to assume, like right now. I mean, the well, obviously. There was like last season. He could have played three C. He could have played. Three he, I mean, even then, the third line center. You mentioned Velarde was. The, everyone's expecting him to be the second line center. Like he's going to be the next. Like you have Kopitar Velarde now for the future, and like everyone's like, okay. Well, we were all excited about it, but then with Byfield, they're like, okay, we'll give him the three C, which is a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I think like what Joe said, like the way he's playing the wing right now, there's no reason to kind of force him back into a center position, and just kind of leave him on the wing. But I don't know if it's it's there's something. They fixing their mistake from Velarde at all? I, I think it's a fair question, though, Randon. And I would say it's more to do with the situation. But that said, I think it's still a bad process. They put a guy in, and that does, like same thing with Bjornfoot. They no. threw him in. You wonder what Bjornfoot's development, what his progress would have been if he just was in Ontario, or at least playing lower minutes. He was playing with Dowdy. Right, early in his career, like yeah. that's all. It's a lot to ask, and I think that that maybe some of these guys you could make the case for is rushed, and then obviously Velarde had so many injuries to deal with too. Um, so, but I, I think I, I think of Bjornfoot and and Velarde in that, frankly, Brandon. So it's a, it's a reasonable question. So I, I want to ask you guys this: Is I'll start with you, Brandon. You go long term, eight year, what seven point five million dollar deal for? Byfield, or are you signed to a three-year bridge? He's thinking eight-year eight deal. I would do it. I mean, but Stolen. I think I think the eight-year deal is better for Byfield and how he looks at it. The bridge deal is better for the team to win a cup. So, like, what's the ultimate goal? Okay. Like, because I, you have I, to make room for other players to, to fill in. Like, if you're losing Arvidsson, you're losing Roy. Like, okay, yeah, he, now he's making essentially almost league minimum now that seven million goes directly to byfield the teams in the same cap constraint that they are in right so 
I, I, how much ooh. how much it goes up i don't know but like yeah you make the you make the argument that okay yeah you're getting a better deal for byfield because then he could potentially be a 12 million dollar center in three years mm-hmm. but the team is less likely to win a stanley cup because you're you're you don't have other money for other assets and I'll, who knows what the cap is going to go up i forget what it is but like five million helps gets two million for another player right and you're going to be losing two most likely so it sucks like you have to pick the team over a player or longevity but i think that both have their positives and both have their downfalls for the team what do you think joe same question yeah, eight-year deal if you get an eight-year at seven and a half i mean you're talking about a guy you just said not at 21 years old is on pace for 66 points he's having a breakout season right now so all things being equal, playing like 15 can, minutes a night, it's going to continue. Hopefully, I'm mean, we've you know, we talk about prospect growth and that stuff's not always linear, but if he's going to continue on this trajectory, 7.5 that's a steal. So, because that'll be double digits, especially if he moves back to a center position. Uh, give me, give me the eight year deal. You're are you an RFA until you're what, like 27, 26, or 26 years in the league, 25, I believe. I think it's twenty six, isn't it? Or unless, or unless it's or it's like seven it's, or seven years in the years league. of experience too. Yeah. So, it, so it could be it could be twenty five, maybe Russ, if you started in the league pretty much year one. Yeah. And then there's uh, a benefit there for both players, want, right? If he does a five year deal, and right before he's a UFA, then you sign him to that long contract. Then I, then I wouldn't. Get, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we wake up tomorrow morning and the Kings announce some long-term deal with Byfield, like, to be honest with you. I think you have to just try to – I'm sure Rob Blake's trying to do the same thing at this point. Yep. I don't want to bridge. I, I feel like it helps the team. It doesn't – like like Brandon says, it maybe hurts maybe the next two years, especially when you have Kopitar still on the books for $7 million too, because then your top three centers are, what, eight, seven and a half, uh, and seven. So Well, Dano. So a lot. Oh, and Deneau, yeah, Deneau, too. So five and a half. Yeah, and you have five and a half. So some hefty contracts still in the books. But, I mean, you think about how that deal is going to look like three, four, five years from now. I mean, man, yeah. if you're talking about a salary cap that's going to be close to like 95, maybe even 100 million, and you're paying Byfield seven and a half million dollars. Well, that's how that. Boston won. I mean, you look at Bergeron, Marsh, uh, Marchand, and pa- uh, Pasta were all making seven million apiece. At the same time, and they took a gamble on the, that. So. The Kings need to. They, some of these young guys need to start hitting too. And I, 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 I'm a big Lefarier guy, but we're getting to the point. I don't know if we start losing. Like we're talking about losing Arvidsson and Roy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, like some of these prospects, we're going to start. We're going to probably yep. soon. We're going to probably need more out of Turcotte. And this is all not now, but soon we're going to need more out of Turcotte. I mean, Hellenius, we'll have to talk. We'll have to bring Kyle Garcia on here more to talk about the rain a bit more. But yeah, some we'll start to see some of these need that prospect pool to start churning some out some talent. 100%. Well, it's, it's, it's a team, team thing. So yeah, go ahead, Joe. Guys, guys performing on cheap deals. That's yeah, exactly. That, I mean, the, the, you can probably go through the list of teams that have won cups, and you've probably got guys that are, are decent contributors making. A million bucks you know real cheap deals that are playing down in the lineup like and sometimes those are usually those are young players prospects whatever and that's where the kings you know they haven't thread the needle of they didn't blow it up right they didn't do a total tear down and rebuild they 
they tried to thread the needle because they had a really good prospect pool. They had some high picks. They still had Kopitar Dowdy. So they were trying to kind of thread that needle and trying to make it fit. That only works is if you have, if Byfield's doing what he's doing now, say a year ago, if Clark is up, say a year ago or whatever it is. And, you know, I guess some of this could have happened before, but they had, they preferred Alex Adler. Uh, so think uh, and things like that, Andreas Englund. So you need these guys to perform at, you know, young, cheap deals. I think that's what really, really helps kind of, you want to fill your depth, in my opinion, fill your depth of your roster with upside, with, yeah. with guys that can pop, with your Turcots, with your Clarks, with your Spences. Those are the guys I think is that, that's what's going to elevate you and elevate the bottom part of your lineup. Um, I think the Kings are doing it wrong, um, but we'll see if it ends up mattering come playoff time. This offseason is going to be strange, huh? It's going to be really, really strange. I mean, you have no goaltender signed next year. We're talking about a Byfield contract extension, mm-hmm. Roy and Arvidsson, Lazat is an RFA. Interesting times ahead. But let's be excited yeah, about right now, I guess. Yeah. We, we are excited. We got some Ws today, and I think that's probably going to do it for us tonight. So thank you guys for coming in the chat. We were 80 strong for a long period of time. Smash that like button on your way out. Uh, you can follow all of our articles here at HockeyRoyalty.com. Please follow us on X at Hockey underscore Royalty, at JW Paterino, NHL Russell, at Random Commando 24, and all your rain coverage from Kyle at Kopitar 4HOF. Uh, uh, Russell likes to go on X every once in a while for those uh, for those chats, for the super chats there. So get on there. Those are also posted on our podcast. And we do some more live game watches as well. So just keep your ear to the ground for all the King's knowledge. Hockey royalty is going to be holding it down for the rest of the season. We're getting close, boys, to the trade deadline. Playoffs are right around the corner to see where the Kings end up and if we can make some noise. So thank you very much for coming into the chat tonight. And as always, go Kings go.